We brought you damn good beer first, and now we've got damn good beef. Castle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the states, and they ship it straight to your door. Why do they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. you got to check it out. Uh, I've already made two orders from Hassle Cattle Company. It is incredibly high-quality meat. And the the uh, speed in which they get it straight to your door is really impressive. So check them out and use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Broncos podcast. I think our uh, our record player is a little warped there. <laughs> Did you guys ever see Apollo thirteen? Uh, n- I can't say I have. Okay, well, there's a scene in there where they're, of course, you know, they're they're in space and they're trying to get home, and they play music on a tape recorder, and at the end they play. You use a tape recorder so tape player so often the batteries die, and that's the way it sounded you hear like Hank Williams senior and it sounded like pleasure horse with our theme as the batteries are going out uh, and then what's so, yeah. what's so our batteries aren't going out. Oh, they better not. We're we just started the off season. <laughs> my, my batteries have been out for months. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, welcome to the NVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Check them out, msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. Uh, 750 total classes. They've got 40-plus hybrid programs. Rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. If you're looking to further your education, uh, but you don't have so much time on your hands and you're working a full-time job, MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So check them out msudenver.edu slash online my boys what's going on gm search 2021 continuing today guys george payton's here he's not here what does this all mean and that is the question um as you kind of wake up this morning and get the news that george payton has returned to minnesota you are left to read the tea leaves. And I got to be honest, guys, rarely is this a good thing uh, for any type of situation, whether you're signing a free agent or whether you're signing uh, a a coach or, or whether it's a GM, usually when you have the guy and they want to be the guy, they don't go anywhere. 
they stay around and you get it done. Now that doesn't mean that has to be the situation here where the Broncos aren't old pain is old. But if we're being honest, that's my first reaction. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's very fair. That this could mean so many things. Uh it could mean the Broncos want to explore other options, which probably means they may not love him. It means he may want to explore other options, which means right now he may not love them. Uh and there's also the case that guys, once once these two leave each other, that they realize what they had in the other one and that a deal could get done in a matter of hours today. Maybe they just wanted to sleep on it, but sometimes the the, the team will keep that person in town for that night in order to sleep on it. Maybe with COVID restrictions, though, that's not allowed or it's not looked up, uh, up upon. So maybe, maybe all of those things play into it. And guys, it could also be a negotiating tactic for either side. It could be George Payton saying, uh, yeah, you're only offering me four years, 20 million. I kind of want that six years, 30 million. I'm going to go and see if you come running back. Well, you've got the lions in play for George Payton. They interviewed him last week. And of course the connection there is that deeply involved in the interview process in Detroit as a consultant to Sheila Ford Hamp, um, the new owner inheriting the team from Martha Firestone Ford is Chris Spielman, who is the brother of Rick Spielman and Rick Spielman has been George Payton's boss, both in Minnesota and for most of his time in Miami. So really, you know, Rick Spielman has called George Payton his right-hand man over the years. And certainly the title that he, that uh, Payton has had there has reflected it. So if he's in the mix in Detroit and you have a Spielman involved with that, that's the kind of thing that's lingering over this. You mentioned COVID Zach. The thing is when they have the introductory press conference for whichever GM, the Broncos hire, it's not like the GM has to be there on site, right? Correct. Yeah, it's. I mean, usually, let's let's say you sleep on it for a night, and then you make the move the next day, and you have the press conference right after. Ordinarily, you do it right there in the auditorium. Well, George Payton, if he's the guy, he can do the press conference sitting right there at his home in Minnesota. So you don't have that logistical thing in play. And then, of course, there's the Terry Fontenot factor. What if Fontenot became the leader in the clubhouse. And then, of course, the interesting thing there, they can't bring Fontenot in in person because of, of COVID restrictions. Um, and he, kind of like George Payton, has another iron in the fire. He's apparently, according to Adam Schefter, one of the leaders potentially in Atlanta for that job. So it's it's muddled here right now at best. Yeah, and there's so many different things at play here. And one of, one of them is, you know, well... I agree with the decision, uh, you know, that that the organization made for John Elway to kind of step away from this GM role. It definitely wasn't great timing uh, in a year where everyone's looking for a GM, it seems like. Um, And so now you're in this kind of cat and mouse game with your candidates. um, And I guess the best situation for the Broncos would be they were blown away by Terry Fontenot in their second interview. Um, they already had the second interview in person scheduled with George Payton. They were kind of hoping he would steal the show. He didn't do it. They were left caught in between and said, uh, we'll let you know. And if you're on George Payton's side of things and you heard the we'll let you know and you got on a flight, you don't feel great about your chances. Um, but for the Broncos, you know, if you've set your sights on Terry Fontenot, well, then you should try to get that done as fast as possible. 
because obviously he's a candidate other place. And the other way it could go is, you know, the Broncos pulled out a contract and said, all right, what do you think? And he said, I'll let you know. And, you know, in that case, in the Broncos, then you don't feel great about it. I'm curious which one you guys think is more likely. Well, just well, Ryan, I have a question for you really quick when we talk about this, because I'm very curious where you stand. You said if if you were hiring someone to be in a big position like general manager, you would want that in-person interview. And I don't think really anyone would argue with that. But in today's COVID world, with the restrictions that are there, where Terry Fontenot can't travel to Denver right now, he may be able to do it in six days. He may not be able to do it until like three weeks from now. What do you do if you're the Broncos? If let's say the Broncos were the ones that told George Payton, we'll let you know, because they were so blown away by Terry Fontenot's second interview yesterday morning. What do you what 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 should the Broncos do if Terry Fontenot is their guy? Do they offer him a contract today, especially because the Atlanta Falcons see he's a front runner for them? Or do they just let it play out? And maybe that's why they're keeping Champ Kelly's name still kind of burning on the fire in case they're not able to get Terry Fontenot in two weeks from now. And George Payton has already signed with the Detroit Lions or decided to stay in Minnesota. And then he's kind of their back burner guy that they fall back on. It's a tough decision. Uh, It really is. But in the end, what's most important is getting your guy here. And... While you have a preference and while you want to have, you know, the the luxury of meeting in person and doing all that. And like I said yesterday, I mean, I would want to do that. Um, But in the end, this isn't like a head coach where if it doesn't work out in two or three years, you just want to go back to the well. It it could be like that, but you really, really don't want to do that. And so to me... If you believe Terry Fondo is the best can- candidate and that's what your gut is telling you at this point, despite the fact that you haven't been able to meet him in person, just offer him the job uh, and get it done uh, and move forward. I think I just don't think you can sit back and wait because the door is open for so many different things the longer you wait. Um, he, obviously, he's a candidate in other places. You want to get this thing done. Yeah, and and I totally agree with that. If he's your guy, it, you make it happen, even if you can't wait for him to, to have an in-person interview. And also, this isn't like you're on careerbuilder.com and a resume comes across, and then you have two virtual interviews with the person. No, th- there's a ton of background research that's done on these guys. Uh, he's been in the league for 16 years. You you can get enough information about him from other people to make sure that you know this isn't just a rando showing up and of course he terry fontana is not a random person showing up here so you do have more background research than just uh, a normal interview situation yeah i'm curious mace what do you think about the uh the peyton situation what do you think is more likely he didn't sign the contract the broncos didn't didn't put it on his uh on his desk I think they didn't put it on his desk. I think they want to, to sit back and wait. I mean, I think this is one of those things where maybe the simplest explanation is probably is probably the the most logical one and probably the most likely one that they they want to sit back and wait. And there's really no point to him hanging around and uh, while they deliberate. And you, know, you think back to when they were going through the coach process, they went and flew to meet with each coaching candidate in person. 
And then they came back to Denver, slept on it, slept on it and made their decision and then offered Vic Fangio the job. I think they're just kind of in the in the decision making process, sleep on it, talk about it today and then go from there. I mean, there's really I mean, I know there's the whole thing of, oh, you don't want to let the, the guy leave the building sort of like in free agency. But I think we're dealing with a different environment here right now. So I, I think I think they just wanted to kind of take the night, find where things go tomorrow. But I think also George Payton. Wants to, he probably wants to hear more from Detroit in particular. That's, I think that's the other thing that's in play. And Mace, I'm with you. I think the Broncos did not put an offer down for him yesterday. And the Broncos right now can view themselves as the one in the position of strength. Look, they're kind of down to two candidates right now. Uh, whereas the Lions, they have, they still have like six names floating out there. So it's not like George Payton's the one with the upper hand here saying he's one of two finalists for the Lions. Now, he could easily become that today tomorrow in the next 24 48 hours so my question to you guys is how long let, let's say the broncos did like george payton and were impressed with him were impressed with terry Fontenot, and they're kind of neck and neck right now how long do you wait because terry Fontenot could be offered the job today same with george payton from the atlanta falcons and the detroit, detroit lions how long do you wait and mull this over to make sure that it's the right decision i mean A if day. you're waiting <clears throat> see I think if you're if you're going to push this thing back um, be, because for whatever reason you're not worried about one of these candidates getting swooped up, uh, then you wait and, and see what happens in the playoff games this weekend and see if, you know, you become Brady fans for the first times in your lives probably and, and see if you can end up getting Terry Fontenot in person next week. But I, I, what are you going to learn in person, though, that maybe you didn't learn over a second, over a second Zoom call? That that's that's the thing I kind of wonder here about is, uh, and, and is it worth, is it worth kind of putting all the chips on that table, knowing that there might be a better situation in play? I mean, if you kind of sit back and evaluate the situations of Atlanta and Denver, and Fontenot is in the mix in Atlanta. I mean, I know Broncos fans aren't going to want to hear this, but Atlanta's probably the better job across the board. What makes you say that? What makes me say that? You you have an established quarterback in place. He either has value to you as an asset on your team or value to you as a tradable asset. You ha- You are in a division where the other quarterbacks are either placeholders like Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina or they're old. Tom Brady's 43, Drew Brees is 41. In other words, you you have the ability to look around and say, all right, we make a few tweaks here, then we're right back in, in long-term contention and maybe even in position to have long-term dominance in the division where that just doesn't exist in the AFC West right now for the Broncos. So and, then- the owner, and then ownership too. You know who your owner is going to be. 12, 16 months from now, you know, it's going to be Arthur blank and you know that it's basically a bottomless pool of resources there with Arthur blank. So then a similar question, just looking at this from George Payton's eyes, what's a more appealing job, the Denver Broncos or the Detroit lions. And kind of, I can see a lot of similarities between the lions uh, where they stand with the rest of their division and tradable asset in a, in a quarterback with Matthew Stafford and also with the Falcons. So would you also say that the lions are more appealing? Uh, The one reason why I would, I would say they're not more appealing is that there is zero track record of success with the Detroit Lions in the last three decades. The Falcons at least have proven under Arthur Blank that they can 
they can build and build quickly. I mean, Blank has been on the job has been has been owning the team since I believe 2003, and they've microwaved themselves into being a, being a division winner now three separate times under three separate coaches under Arthur Blank. They did it with Jim uh, with Jim Elmore back in 04, with Mike Smith in 08 when they drafted Matt Ryan, and then again with Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan as the OC in 2015-2016. So there's a proven track record that they can turn it around quickly with that ownership and that they can, that they can have everything they need to, to kind of keep it together and, and build on that. So I think that that's what get that's why you say okay Atlanta could be the better job, but in no way are you saying Detroit is the better job just because they have Stafford because they there are some things that are institutional with the Lions. Well, and that makes a lot of sense, Mace. And another thing that we haven't talked about yet in this is how appealing is it for a general manager to a have their pick of a head coach right when they come in or b have stability at head coach when they come in so they don't have to start from scratch. I mean, wh- which one is more appealing? Because I think initially you would say, oh, well, of course the guy wants to come in and be able to pick his own head coach. But on the other hand, if you're kind of starting from scratch, not just with the Broncos, but with any organization, you're going to have to build your personnel department. And then if you also have to build a coaching staff starting from the top, that may be just so much work and so much pressure that very first year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- that's a lot on your plate. I mean, you get you you get brought in, and then you're instantly you know vaulted into a, uh, a head coach search. Um, of you know, I think what I would hope the Broncos would be saying, and you know, again, it's this it's the awkward situation where uh, Vic Fangio goes to the bathroom and they're whispering. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's hey, you know, if it doesn't work out, um, you know, you can go get your guy after next year. Uh, and that to me almost sounds more appealing. You come into a place, you have a year to get your, your side of things figured out to get your people in place, to have an eye on everything that's going on and then make your evaluation rather than coming in and instantly going into a head coach search. That is a lot to put on your plate. Also, not that, not one thing. Oh, sorry. There's one thing. If you have a head coach search right now, if that head coach doesn't work out, you probably get another swing at the head coach down the line. Whereas if you inherit a head coach and then it doesn't work out and you make a change a year from now, uh, you probably only get that one swing on having your own head coach. Because if that head coach doesn't work out three years down the line, that means you're a GM in year four. You haven't turned it around. They're probably replacing you. On the flip side, though, doesn't it take – so much of the pressure off of you this year as a general manager. And I, I know GMs probably want the pressure on them. I mean, that's why they're getting this job. But if the head coach doesn't work out, uh, you can fire him. And then this year wasn't really on you because you didn't hire him. You were just kind of seeing the process through with the team, getting an evaluation. And then your evaluation starts the next year. And also same thing with the draft. And regardless on if uh, a GM hires a head coach or not, this draft you know, the GM could easily write this draft off if it turns out to be a bad one, that it wasn't necessarily their fault. And there is a lot of fairness to that. They're only going to be here for about 25% of the draft evaluation process from now until April. The next draft, 2022 draft for all the teams hiring general managers right now, uh, that'll really be their first draft where they've been fully in control with their guys. 
there, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. And I thought it was interesting yesterday that James Palmer had a report in which he said the Broncos GM vacancy is one that is coveted. Um, it is, you know, he said around the league, it's viewed as a good job. And I think the fact that George Payton, who has declined job after job uh, during his time in Minnesota, has reached this far down the line tells you that there is something that's attractive about the Broncos job. James Palmer said, you know, it's a young, talented roster, which is definitely true. And then he had an interesting comment about the quarterback situation that I think is up to uh, that it's a young quarterback situation, not a lot of, not a lot of money tied up. Uh, and I'm curious if you guys heard that and if you have had time to um, determine your interpretation of what that meant. Yeah, I, I that was the thing that jumped out most about what James Palmer said was the not having a lot of money tied up, which basically told me, all right, that means one of two things. It means a because you don't have because you have the cost controlled quarterback drink, that means you have flexibility to do other things on the roster, but it also means that presumably you can choose to change that. You can bring in somebody basically. When you have a having Drew Locke as a second round cost control quarterback means that you're not married to him. If you if you look at the landscape and say, I really want some someone else and I want someone else right now, you have the ability to go do that, whether it's a veteran, whether it's somebody in the draft or whether and I mean a veteran like a Matthew Stafford or even the the hedge type of situation. And, uh, you know, that's something Peyton has actually been a part of doing the hedge before way back in, in 08 when he and Rick Spielman had Traveris Jackson, another second round pick. And they brought in Gus Farratt who got played a couple of years for the Broncos as a hedge. And they end up turning to Gus Farratt. The Vikings go eight and three with Gus Farratt starting and end up winning the division for the first time in eight years. Yeah. yeah. To, to me, what this says is all options are on the yeah. table. If you want to build the defense and ride with Vic and go with Drew Locke, you can do that. If you want a first round pick as your quarterback, you can do that. If you want to bring in a Matthew Stafford or a hedge, you can do whatever you want. And isn't that probably what a GM wants to hear more than anything else is you get to do whatever you want at the quarterback position. I mean, that's probably the biggest selling point for any GM instead of being told, okay, we're forcing quarterback X down your throat. Unless it's, you know, uh, a Patrick Mahomes who any GM would be happy to be forced down their throat. It, you, you, they probably want a big say in the quarterback. So to me, that's a huge selling point for the Broncos. Yeah, I think that has to be it. Um, and, you know, some people have said, oh, that means you can get rid of Drew Locke quickly. And other people have said, oh, that means, you know, they, they, that Drew Locke is actually has a better reputation around the league than you might think. I think it, it's, it's either right, depending on the candidate's interpretation of the position and, and how Drew Locke did and how, you know, he's trending up. The, all options are on the table. And I'm sure you guys saw the little graph that came out the other day, which was like, um, winning percentage versus salary cap um, commitments for next season. Uh, and there was four quadrants. And the bottom right quadrant was like the best one. The Broncos were in, you know, the corner of that one, meaning they're closer to the middle. But they were in the better quadrant uh, because their salary cap situation is good. And you could honestly 
have a situation where a GM comes in and you can say, hey, look, you get to make the decision on Von Miller. You could free up a bunch of money there. You get to make the decision on a bunch of guys and you get to make the decision on the quarterback. And I don't think this should be completely set aside, although it's not going to be the deciding factor. And you get to live in in Denver, in Colorado. Like, you know, that plays a role. When people are deciding where they want to make their career and make their life and move their family. Um, So there's a there's a lot at play. That one is probably the least, but it does make a difference. And um, I think that a GM can look at this and say, I have I'm going to have a lot of control over what happens here. I'm not tied into a lot of things. And that and that is huge, especially when it comes down to these two guys, especially when we're talking about George Payton guys, because one of the things that we haven't talked about yet is how picky George Payton has been over his career, not just last year with the Browns, but he's had a lot of interest in the past couple of years to become an ex-general manager. And I think he even had an in-person interview with the Browns last year, was the favorite to land the job, and then backed out. So that that could be a reason why you would point to, to George Payton and say he was the one that decided to go home to Minnesota yesterday, although every report has indicated that he is ready to take a general manager position. Maybe, maybe that's something that's playing into this as well is he wants to make sure that he gets the best job for himself since he knows he can just go back to Minnesota and be another assistant general manager for another year until another team is interested in him in next year. The thing is like with Vikings fans, they've kind of gotten used to George Payton's name circulating and then George Payton pulling himself out of consideration. This is something that's actually gone on a few times over the last few years, not just last year with the Cleveland Browns. And part of it may be, that hey, you pull yourself, you pull your name out, then then you're turning them down. They're not turning you down. But part of it is also that uh, he he has a tremendous partnership with Rick Spielman there, and uh, you don't work with somebody as their right hand person for so long. They've been together in Minnesota now 14 years, and they worked together in Miami before that. You don't have that unless there's really a kind of a special bond uh, between the two of you, a, a good chemistry, and Peyton kind of has to has to weigh that. Maybe he he's got a situation where he's got an ideal thing at work, and maybe his family loves loves Minnesota as well. I mean, there could be personal considerations as well going on with this. These are things that we don't necessarily know. So it's not as simple as oh, this is a a good job, you should take it. There can be can be other considerations that weigh on Peyton's mind too. And you know what? If George Payton is the guy, or let's say it's Terry Fontenot, and and he was the one, he maybe the Broncos have made an offer to him, but he he wants to explore other options with Atlanta. You know what you do? You lay down thirty six million dollars in six years, and that'll probably sway his family to come to Denver or whatever hesitations there are. He probably won't take that second interview in Detroit if if you do something like that. Yeah, uh, and those big, long contracts are starting to become more of the norm when it comes to general managers. So uh, that could be the situation here as well. And exactly. that definitely gives you two two additional swings on the head coach position uh, if you're on a six-year contract. Or not definitely, but likely. Uh, and maybe that's you know that's where they're at. Uh, they know that you know you go to a place where the head coach situation isn't stable and neither is the quarterback situation. Well the chances are you aren't going to get both right on your first swing. The other thing is that with potential new ownership, if you end up getting a six-year contract, that means if the team is sold in the next 16 months, then 
whoever that owner is, if even if the owner wants their own general manager in there, could look at that contract and see, whoa, I'm paying this guy $30 million not to work here. Ugh. I may be a, a billionaire, but I didn't get to be a multi-billionaire by by burning $30 million just so I could have somebody else. So I'm just going to, I'm going to ride or die with this, this GM that I'm inheriting. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good stability for a general <laughs> manager to, to say, to ask all these questions about ownership, which are fair questions. And then to just say, Oh, okay. Well, when the new G, when the new owner comes in, I still have five years, 30 million left on my contract. Mm, I feel pretty good. I mean, shoot, if, if it were any of us, even if it were, you know, we're interviewing for a lower level position, I mean, they'd say, you have any questions? And yeah, I'd say, hey, who's going to own this team in, in 14 months? What's that going to look like? I, I if, if people like us would ask that question, you know the general manager is going to bring it up because the GM, the GM and the owner are going to basically kind of have a hotline to each other, whoever, you know, whoever that owner turns out to be. Yeah, and they can tell them, look, worst case scenario is you're getting paid to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. um last thing i want from you guys uh is just you know uh, where you stand now uh make your call uh and mace i'll start with you who ends up being the next general manager of the denver broncos oh man put me on the spot right there um Uh, you can change this tomorrow if they haven't um i think it's still going to circle back to peyton that uh all sides are going to think about it and he'll end up being the guy and I'm going to say George Payton as well. I'm going to say this thing gets done in the next 36 hours. All right. I'll uh, once again be the the different one here. I'm going to say it ends up being Fontenot. Uh, I think that maybe there was a little extra intrigue there uh, than the Broncos thought. Or, um, you know, I think yesterday it was clear that Payton was the leader. And feels as if maybe something has changed. So if, if that's the case... And it and it's got to be Fontenot, who uh, you know they want to wait on. So I have to ask you, when? How long are they waiting? When does this thing get done? Does an in-person interview happen, or does he get hired before this weekend? I think they go third Zoom interview, and it gets done after that. Mm, so this week? Yeah. Mm, yep. Yep. I, I just. Man, and I know the Broncos aren't rushing it right now because if they were rushing it, they could have made a decision over the weekend or yesterday or Monday. But I just have a hard time seeing this thing go into into late next week. Yeah, it's definitely not ideal, and I don't think the Broncos want that or anyone wants that. So we'll keep an eye on it. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it, if it ends up being Peyton and it ends up getting done today, um, you know, after a conversation with his wife or whatever it may be. Uh, so. We will obviously have an eye on it, and we will be talking more about this on the podcast side of well, things. Before yes. we move on, I mean, I know one person brought up in the comments, uh, there is a report out of Detroit saying that the Lions are actually zeroing in on Kevin Colbert, who is the Steelers GM. They'd probably have to give a little compensation, but uh, that may reduce Peyton's options a little bit. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, again, we'll have an eye on it, and we are going to jump over to the podcast side of things where we'll talk more about this. Uh, If you want to listen, you can download the DNVR Broncos podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, And if you want to have your questions read on the podcast, you can subscribe to the DNVR.com and leave your comments in the comment section 
where we read them every day. Uh, but for now, on the live side, that wraps it up for us, and we will talk to you soon. All right, thanks for everyone who's still rolling with us on the podcast side of things, the true OGs. Uh, and speaking of OGs, the OG Sportsbook app, DraftKings Sportsbook. we got to do our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Uh, and, Zach, we'll start with you. Ah, uh, I am going to my favorite game that I've seen in weeks, guys. Weeks, I tell you. And it is taking place in New Orleans this weekend. New Orleans Saints, three-point favorites hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And guys, the Saints are choke artists in the playoffs. And on the other side, you have Tom Brady. Come on, this is easy. And I get three points with this. Easy. And the line is close to plus 100 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Easy. Guys, I'm jumping all over this line. I'm taking money line. But since I get three points with, with Tampa Bay, I'm going that way. Make sure Bucks are going to win. They're going to be in the NFC Championship game. And I'm going to be one game away from getting a pizza from Ryan because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are winning this game. Guys, this is so easy. Give me Tom Brady and three points. Give me Tampa Brady and Tom. No, what is it? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Bay. (laughs) That's what the shirt says. Tampa Bay (laughs) that he was selling a few months ago. So, you know what? I, I could go try to put the, you know, put the reverse jinx out there and, uh, say that I'm going to pick the saints. I'm, I'm going with another game. I'm looking at the over under on Brown's chiefs of 56 and a half. And Hey, that's a, that's a big number. Certainly that's uh, to hit the over. It's gotta be 29, 28, but Cleveland right now has only passing interest in a defense at this point. They're going up against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and yet hasn't always gone as smoothly uh, as the Chiefs would like in recent weeks. But this game just appears to have shootout, both teams in the 30s or maybe even the 40s written all over it. So got to give me the over on, on 56 and a half for the Browns and Chiefs. Oh, man, that would be a blast of a game. Yeah. Um, do you think that it could be as much of a shootout as the time – that uh patrick mahomes and baker mayfield met up in college oh boy what did we have in that game final score 66 59 oklahoma (laughs) um baker mayfield 545 yards and seven touchdowns patrick mahomes 734 yards (laughs) five touchdowns you are kidding me that is awesome that would be amazing yeah it makes the uh the 2018 game they had right when uh uh, the Browns were coming out of, of, of the dark. 37-21 makes that one look pedestrian by comparison. Yeah, it makes it look I, like a Broncos score. I gotta go. I want to go watch that game. That sounds like the best game ever. <laughs> as long as there weren't a bunch of pass interference and defensive holding calls like that Chiefs-Rams game a couple years ago that everyone remembers so fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I remember is that almost every drive was extended by a penalty. <laughs> yeah and boy when you're throwing for 700 yards like Mahomes was and Baker for seven touchdowns probably not a lot of pass interference calls in that game yeah True. you know each team scored double digits every quarter of that game well yeah that's, that's how you combine for 125 <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, but you oh usually you look even in a game like that somebody had only seven points in a quarter no 
Yeah. Everybody had at least 10 points a quarter. The, the halftime score was 30 to 24. And then Oklahoma put up another 36 in the second half. 1,708 total yards gained by both teams, the most ever in a Division I football game. Wow. Who could, who could have ever guessed? Under. Oh, yeah. man. And, and, and each team, they each had exactly 854 yards of total offense apiece. Wow. wow. Texas, Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes attempted 88 passes. <laughs> Baker Mayfield got to 545 yards on 36 attempts. Whoa. And Mahomes got to 734 yards on 88 attempts. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we need to revive DNVR watches for this one. This and, and, and do a watch party on this. This must be this is insane. Definitely insane. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes had like a like a when like a pitcher goes over their pitch count, like just like a really sore shoulder the next day. I was wondering that too. Was it just uh was it just slime the next day? Yeah, for real. Crazy. Uh, All right. Great pick there, Mace. I hope we get 125 points and your over covers by double uh, plus some. Um, Hey, if if we cover the over it by halftime, that's what I'm hoping for, right? Yes, exactly. Kind of like the national championship game, the over was pretty much covered by halftime. (laughs) Yeah. I guess guess the one that they offered at DraftKings. by the way, I, I uh, assume there was some Mac Jones talk yesterday. I'm excited to get into that with you guys uh, mm-hmm. when we dive into the draft because I don't think we're going to be on the same page. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. oh. my DraftKings pick of the week here, the Colorado Avalanche beginning their Stanley Cup hunt tonight. This is the year, boys. I feel great about it. Um, and uh, I'm going back to the well on a bet that has – treated me well over the years um and especially it happened last playoffs um miko rantanen tonight over two and a half shots on goal uh i i just hit that constantly in the playoffs and and it always worked out uh or most of the time it worked out the other thing here is that miko seems to always uh start well like he just you know sometimes he, he comes back from an injury he has a two goal game he starts the season he he's great so um riding the Miko train tonight. I love it. And guys, the Avs open up as Stanley Cup favorites. It's incredible. Uh, and so I mean, now may be the best time to get in on that because a hot start could only make those odds get worse. Exactly, exactly. All right. Another shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh the official beer of DNVR. Damn good beers. You guys know the drill. Uh, check out the Breck Brew locator on their website to find out where the nearest Breck Brews are to you. You should be able to find some. If not, you can always come down to the DNVR bar, uh, which is back open at 25% capacity. We've got eight Breck Brews on tap there. You can get a frosted member size beer. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. So wherever you're at, Make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery and specifically check out the new Juice Drop IPA, uh, one of the smoothest and most drinkable IPAs I've ever come across. 
you know I'll be crushing that plus three for Tampa Bay this week on DraftKings Sportsbook. And there's so many good lines out there. I mean, Cleveland plus 10. I can't wait to break down all these playoff games with you guys. But the best place to get in on all of the action where we'll be getting in this weekend is DraftKings Sportsbook because the playoffs are here. Rolling on with four more games this weekend. And they're celebrating the playoffs by giving all new users the chance to bet on any of these weekends games with 100 to 1 odds. All you have to do is bet $1 at DraftKings Sportsbook on a football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash $100. And of course, football is happening Saturday and Sunday, but if you want to some action tonight, Thursday and Friday, well, make sure to check out all they have with the basketball season going on with the daily odds boost. There every single day there's an odds boost that you can't pass up. So make sure to check them out tonight for some basketball and hockey as well. Like Ryan said, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNBR when you sign up to get up to one to 100 to 1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Oh, so smooth, Zach. So smooth. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. <laughs> Let's jump into the questions from the listeners. Who wants to lead us off? I'll lead us off. We're hearing from the count right away who asks a, a very good off-season question. Have you all ever made a leftover spaghetti sandwich? And if not, why? And what's your favorite non-holiday food leftover creation? Love the count. What in the world is a spaghetti sandwich? You take the exactly spaghetti like noodles sounds. and sauce and, and put it between two slices of bread. I mean, it sounds hilariously messy. I've never made it. And I will admit, I don't want to make it because I have it just a sandwich. Part of the appeal of the sandwich is that it's in your hands and it's not messy, right? It's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of compressed. So it's convenient. This is a messy sandwich. Yeah, I've it, never heard of it. I mean, I do like a good meatball sub, which also mm. can be messy. Um, I, I would not be opposed to adding a few strands of spaghetti to my meatball sub. Uh, but no, I've never had a spaghetti sandwich. And the reason why is because that makes no sense. I would, Although, just, I would yeah. just throw leftover spaghetti in the microwave. I, I, like, I do that yeah. often. It's carb on carb. That's like having a tortilla sandwich. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, people eat, people eat the uh, sandwiches at Primanti Brothers in Pittsburgh, and that's meat, cheese, coleslaw, and French fries. Yeah, but at least you have meat and cheese like a regular sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the fries that kind of make it absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not against the idea of having two two different types of carbs in a sandwich. Yeah. It's just if that's the entire sandwich, that's a, you know, like in, like instead of a hot dog, um <laughs> you're just like putting some more bread in there. Okay. Now that we're talking about carb sandwiches, I got to give you my favorite carb sandwich. It's not really a sandwich, but I know I've talked about this before, but so get the, get your, uh, your pan hot, throw a lot of butter on there, put a tortilla down, let that get nice and crispy. Then throw some butter inside the tortilla, put some sugar inside the tortilla, fold the tortilla in half and you have yourselves a carb sandwich. You could call it, I guess, a sugar quesadilla 
Mm. Ah, so delicious. Did you give SNL the idea for Taco Town a few years ago? <laughs> I, I may have missed Taco Town. <laughs> Honestly, tortilla, you know, I've done a I've done a couple things like that. I do one I do, it's like my favorite uh, struggle meal. It's tortilla, peanut butter, honey, and cinnamon sugar. And then you mm. roll it up, you heat it up, you roll it up. Uh, delicious. Is that a you heat it up in the microwave? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not exactly uh, making a gourmet dish here. You can heat it up in the microwave. <laughs> this is like, this is setting up to have the DNVR cookbook someday. Oh, boy. Of just e- every crazy idea that we've had put into, yes. put, into, put into book form. It's called Dishwasher Salmon and Other Ideas from DNVR. <laughs> <laughs> Next one here from Orange and Blue Aussie. All right, let's say the Broncos stay at nine and draft one of the cornerbacks at nine. We've re-signed Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, and Demarcus Walker. Where would you be thinking about the Broncos looking in round two? Any players you have in mind for pick number 40? Needs, offensive tackle, running back, edge, inside linebacker, safety, or best player available? Or is there another position you would target here? I wouldn't bet against uh, getting a right tackle that could potentially take over once we get out of the Juwan James contract if he doesn't fall out. And hope that Muti can develop to take over Glasgow's spot in time. Hopefully, a full, somewhat normal offseason program will allow Cushenberry and Reisner time to improve. And then we'd have a young offensive line that could play together for the next five years or so. Well, so with this scenario, I'm curious, did the Broncos keep Philip Lindsay around or not? If they didn't, then I could see a running back there. You may be getting the second best running back in the draft, maybe the third best running back. That could be a possibility there. And in the rest of this scenario, then I see edge uh, thinking that Von Miller's not around in this scenario. I could absolutely see the Broncos using a second round pick, uh, if not higher on edge, if Von Miller isn't here. Yeah, I think, think yeah. Malik Reed kind of fills that role man i i would trust him but we've seen them have shaq barrett here and now it is a different general manager that is something that i have to keep in mind here uh but man i just think john elway would be advising you know you could never have too many edge rushers and the other thing is they may the new gm may look at malik reed and say hey he's a pretty good player but he's a rotational guy and i you know they could bring back Jerry Atakshu for depth, assuming that Von Miller isn't a part of it, but uh, could look could look in any number of directions uh, in terms of edge rushers. I think if they don't pick an edge rusher in round one, I would expect they'd take one in round two. So you start looking at, at guys who could be there. Uh, one intriguing guy is uh, Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest who had double-digit sacks in 2019. And he's, uh, he's, a, he's another guy who's kind of a – a little bit of a, of a freakish build because he's got a lot of speed, but he's 275 pounds. He's six foot five. He's got length, but you know, not a great season in that shortened season last year for Wake Forest, five sacks didn't play the bowl game, but has some intriguing traits. And that's the kind of prospect that usually slips into round two rather than goes immediately in round one, somebody who has the physical makeup, but is a bit inconsistent. Yeah, opposing quarterbacks, he's going to bash them. <laughs> hey, that's right there. He's got the name, right? Yeah. Um, so here is – and since we're talking draft, I just – I have a take that I want to get off my chest. I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I believe unless quarterback is your target, which it very well could be with a new GM coming in, which is exciting, um, 
I believe this draft, there's so much uncertainty and there's not a lot of top level elite talent. At least it doesn't seem like it to me. I think this is a BPA, no matter what type of draft, best player available, regardless of the position. Uh, and you just you just, your, your main concern is hitting on the picks uh, rather than trying to fill needs. And, and I, I truly mean this when I say, take the best player available. If you're there at nine and Kyle Pitts is on the board and he's the best player available to you, take him. figure it out later. You know, having Kyle Pitts and, and Noah Fant on the field together is no one, no problem at all. And how you, you know, use Albert Okuebu now moving forward is a good problem to have. You could trade them. You could use them in different sets. You could have three right receiver sets with Cortland Sutton out there. I feel that way about Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, like whoever it is, just, t- just take the best player and figure it out later. I don't think this is a draft for need or even a best player available at a position of need type of draft. I think if you, the teams that do that are going to end up uh, putting themselves in a bad position. I think it's something else and kind of ties in with that. But if there's all this uncertainty, I think it's a trade down for future capital draft. Mm-hmm. That works too. Yep. I could really see that. And that's why our conversation about there being, you know, potentially four top 10 picks a quarterback in the draft could really help you with that. If one of those guys is still sitting there at nine and you can trade back and get some future picks. Uh, and Ryan, when you say that I'm right there with you, but it means you got to do something at cornerback. And that may mean keeping AJ Boye. It mean, mean keeping him at a reduced price, but boy, if you don't have Boye and all you have is Callahan, that may make the team reach, especially with that ninth overall pick. So it, get cornerback figured out at least a little bit, give me something before the draft. And then, yeah, you can absolutely do that. Yeah. And you hope to do that because painting yourself into a corner where you have to draft corner uh, is not, it's just not where you want to be. It's not where you want to be in this draft. You will end up missing. I, I really feel strongly about that in this draft, that if you draft for need, you'll regret it. Um, There's a lot of talent out there and, um, all the guys who opted out really make this draft interesting. I think that there could be some reaches on guys who opted out that, you know, teams are excited about their traits. Um, and I think there could be some really good players that fall because they didn't have tape uh, this season. Uh, but if you do trade back, I still stick to it. You take the best player available at whatever right. position you're, you are at back there. So um, I, I, I kind of hope that's what happens. Like I said, you add really good players to other good groups on your team. It's not a bad problem to have. Um, it's just obviously you'd like to fill the holes, but don't don't reach even three or four spots for a guy um, at number nine because the you know that's you should be getting a top ten talent at nine, not a top thirteen talent. This is Absolutely. a year where I'd really like the draft to be before free agency. Doesn't work that way, of course, but. That would help you take BPA, whether you trade down or stood pat, and then any holes left, okay, we'll just plug them in. I'll plug them in in the free agency market here and uh, and go from there. Because yeah, I agree with you. There's so much uncertainty. I mean, you've got a, a, a cluster of guys who opted out of the 2020 season. Uh, you have a huge chunk of guys who played short seasons. And, you know, and, and – and we haven't even gotten into, say, some of the smaller school guys who who didn't have a season at all. Yeah, it's totally. it's a yeah, it's it, it's an environment 
unlike anything we've ever seen. We And we don't even have the all-star games either for the most part. We don't have the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. We don't have the Shrine Game. All we're going to have is, is the Senior Bowl, and even that's not going to look the same as in previous years. It's crazy. Uh, Trey Lance being the number one, one of those guys that is just yes so intriguing yet so worrisome. You didn't get to see him play games this year. You saw him play one. It was inconsistent. It's, uh, you know, if Trey Lance's game against, I don't even remember who that was against, um, but I think he was 15 of 30 in the game. You know, it, he didn't look great. If that's just one of his games on tape this year, you say, oh, yeah, he flashed the traits. And, uh, you know, and then he also had these four games where he was incredible. But he was just okay in the one game that we saw him. Um, and it just makes it, it leaves so much uncertainty. It was Central Arkansas. I mean, there you go. I mean, couldn't there have been a way to get him a game against at least like Coastal or Liberty? There could have. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't have liked that, though. What? North Dakota State's never had a problem playing Big Ten schools and winning. Why would they? I don't think they would have had a problem with playing Coastal Carolina if, if it had been offered to them. But the question is, would Coastal have wanted to do it? And Coastal would have been like, probably not. We don't want to go up against the future first-round quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Although North they did Dakota well State, against Zach Wilson. North Dakota State will play anyone anytime. Yep. Uh, it's just the other way around that won't happen. <laughs> they can't right. get Big Ten games anymore, basically, because they kept beating teams. <laughs> um, I am highly, highly intrigued by Trey Lance. Oh, wow. And this is interesting. I, I just think that um, he – well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be there at nine. Well, I I, I, look, I think Carolina, if they hang on to Bridgewater and they can go with Bridgewater for even a couple of years, they have to. I think Carolina makes a lot of sense for Trey Lance, both for Lance and also for the team and the position they're in. Yeah. yeah. Had had Doug Peterson still been in Philly and Carson Wentz on his way out, I was very intrigued by Trey Lance uh, to Philadelphia. But I don't know if that's in the cards anymore. Going back to the North Dakota State, well, Yep. That'd be something else. He just, he's not a fit for the Broncos because the, the, he, he's a project. And if Drew Locke is here, he's also continuing to be a project. Then you have two projects. And obviously if you draft Trey Lance as a first round pick, then he's your project and you're moving on. But then that means you're bringing another veteran quarterback in right now. It, it just doesn't make sense. Or you think of it this way. You have Drew Locke for the next couple of years. If he has failed to launch, then you're handing the baton to Trey Lance. And then you have five years of cost-controlled quarterbacks. Mm. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> With that fifth-year option on the end now, that the obviously the fifth-year option for, for Trey Lance would be, it'd be substantial, but still not what he would get on the open market if he were flourishing. Just, just saying. The Broncos, it, it, you know, a, a, a couple of weeks ago, Zach, I would have been with you on that, but a new GM can say, I'm, I don't care. I don't know. I don't mind a, a project. I want a project. And, and it, just, if it's, it just means a drew is totally out of the play. And the other thing is if it's George Maybe. Payton being from Minnesota, not too far from Fargo, North Dakota, George Payton is probably very familiar with NDSU's program. Probably very familiar with what Trey Lance has done. Yeah. Remember John Elway compared um, Joe Flacco and Drew Locke to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. 
And, uh, you know, that this is just uh, Drew Locke microwaving the Aaron Rodgers part to where you get to the Jordan Love uh, scene. Oh. Boy, quite quite a week for Drew Locke, age in 16 years. <laughs> yeah, age of 16 years, wins an MVP, Super Bowl, all in one, all in a week. Uh, next one here from Greendale Human Being. Hey y'all, some people might not like them, but I love it when y'all do the clever little tie-ins to the ads that kind of like dad jokes that pop up here and there. Mace had one yesterday. It was one of the better ones I've heard in a while. It's what sold me to this pod. Wow. It kind of reminds me of my favorite TV show and my namesake here, Community. It's not uh, exactly similar, but they often have little inside jokes that they repeat throughout the series. Just a random little thought. I, oh, well, that's the end of that thought. Uh, <laughs> I love that you appreciate that. Dang, I thought I had a good one. Yes, I thought I was going to get props for my, uh, you know, if, if they lock Shelby Harris up, then he's going to have to go check out Chevalier Mortgage. Mm, Mace must have one-upped you. I guess, Ooh. I guess. He <laughs> goes on, just a random thought I had with all the salary talk with the GM and players. It may be dumb, so bear with me. Does the bonus money come directly from the owner, or is it in like a Denver Broncos USAA account that the organization runs? Then does the owner have like a direct deposit linked to that account to help replenish it, or does the money tie in with team revenue or is it kind of like buying a house where the team loans out money and the league has some type of escrow system with how much money it brings in just a little curious about the behind the curtain type stuff and i imagine that may be different for each franchise well i think with the, with the broncos it's it's not really kind of in a usa uh, a account i think it's as, sim- as simple as they you know they they spend pretty much every last dollar of what they they bring in in terms of TV revenue, streaming revenue, uh, merchandising rights, uh, in-stadium revenue, et cetera. And uh, now the thing that was interesting this year, of course, is that because of the pandemic, the debt limit, the borrowing limit was raised for teams. They can now borrow up to $500 million that had previously been $350 million to kind of make up for a short-term shortfall, believing that on the back end of this, when revenues bounce back and also when the next round of TV contracts kick in, that they're going to be able to recoup that and pay off off anything they take out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's an interesting question there. You know, I I like to think of it as like there's a bank account and John John L.A. just knows the PIN number. Um, for for Pat Bowen's bank account. <laughs> I love it. And man, no better person to ask than Mr. Escrow himself. Yes. <laughs> Escrow Mason. Next one from oh, Mark Guy T. Snatch. Hey guys, one Mace with Bart Simpson. When Bart Simpson went to military school, why did he not receive perfect marks in weapons training? He didn't receive perfect marks because he, he was four, I believe four out of five on the targets. And, uh, and the instructor says, well, you missed that one. And he's like, did I? Because he aims it to where it ends up blowing up Principal Skinner's car off in the distance. Mm. <laughs> wow. Speaking of perfect marks, Mace bringing up the Paxton patch on Twitter last night. <laughs> you know, I'm going through a lot of my old photos over the years because I want to have them better organized so I can drop them in for things like that. And I'm realizing between my iPhone and between my, my, my SLR camera, I've got basically 10 year, 10, 11 years of Broncos photos that had no organization system. And when I found that one last night, I'm like, okay, I got to put this out there. 
They're, they're, facts, this facts. is too good not to share. <laughs> you for, you didn't share one of the best parts of the story, which is that it happened on fourth and goal. He threw the ball away. I think I said fourth down. I didn't say fourth and goal, but yeah. <laughs> that's I mean that's what made it. That's what kind of that that's what made Paxton Paxton. I mean it was a you know a bad it was a bad de- bad decision when you know when there was an obvious there was an obvious choice. I mean it's it's sort of I mean I, you know it's sort of like all the times when uh, Paxton Lynch in seven on seven wouldn't throw the ball at all we just eat it i mean that that's oh boy the paxton patch i mean that's still the best term i've heard for it although as someone pointed out on twitter when i i I posted that last night now somebody's gonna go and fix that and i hope they don't i hope they leave it be it it has withstood the test of time it has it's it is going to stay well it's stayed for many years now i wonder if like uh it's like it if the story ever gets passed down kind of like a folk tale um, <laughs> to the, to the next round of quarterbacks, um, you know, Mark Sanchez had the kneel when he was supposed to spike. Um, that was his kind of um, ceiling moment. Paxton has the Paxton patch. Thankfully, uh, you know, Drew Locke doesn't have that yet. No, he, he certainly doesn't. Do you think this is something when uh, George Payton was getting his tour around the facility that they point out to him? Yep. Like <laughs> I said to Mace on Twitter, they need to carve it out and send it to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, also, I mean, if, Ken- if Kendall of- Hinton's in the Hall of Fame, why can't Paxton Lynch be in the Hall of Fame? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it was Robert Klemko who we, t- we were talking to him about the Paxton patch. And then he actually referenced it in the lead of a Sports Illustrated column. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so the Paxson patch, you know, it, it, it's a, uh, it'll live forever. <laughs> and Mark IT Snatch goes on and says, "To the other Ryan asked last night, and I figured we put the question to you guys: What is your go-to hot sauce?" I have to change it up all the time, uh, but one. The most constant for me right now is Frank's. Uh, I was a longtime Cholula guy as like my main go-to. And then I just kind of got off the Cholula train. Um, So now like there's always Frank's. But I also have mentioned before on this show, uh, Marie Sharp's Belizean Heat is a go-to of mine. Um, There's also the El Yucateco. there like habanero one it's real spicy i love that one so it really just depends on the meal but i will say i at my core right now i'm a frank's guy mm, yeah hard, hard to go wrong with frank's uh yucateco ryan you said it it's the spiciest i can handle only a drop or two but oh man the flavor is so good which one do you go the green one is that which one you're talking about yeah that's the one in the fridge right now so i go up a level there's like oh, a no no there's like a, a dark brownish reddish one that is so good so spicy but so good oh i would die i would just be crying the flavor on the green one is incredible it is and the spice is pretty good too (laughs) yeah yeah mace you got to go to uh i'm i'm lame just either some tabasco or some texas pete fair Mm, enough texas Pete Um, is good tabasco not a fan of original tabasco but the Chipotle Tabasco is delicious. And um, I also have recently discovered 
the uh, there's a new green Cholula that absolutely slaps. It's like um, it's like poblano and jalapeno or something like that. Oh, it's so good. Oh man, it is 10 a.m. and I'm ready for some hot sauce. Me too. Then three for Mr. B and Iceman. Four, on the subject of contract extensions and restructures, has there ever been a deferred payment contract in the NFL, a la Bobby Bonilla and Vinny Castilla? And how do we pitch this to Vaughn? Yeah, the, the deferred payment, it's it's something that you, you don't see. And uh, actually, remember the Broncos uh, got in trouble for salary cap violations a couple of decades ago, and some of that involved uh, potentially deferring payments to John out to, to, to John Elway and Terrell Davis. And that got the Broncos in some hot water. So it's not something the NFL really provides for. And this just coming in uh, a few minutes ago from Ben Albright guys. He said uh, the GM search is nearly done. Could have an announcement as soon as today. Ooh, so what does that mean? I think it's a George Payton went home to tell his wife. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And he too. brought his contract with him. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's 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 talk about it and uh, let's you know at, maybe ask the kids about it. Maybe it was a family vote type thing. All right, we're we going to Denver. Are we staying in Minneapolis. Yeah, exactly. Um, very easy decision in my opinion. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mace, are you aware of uh, of the or did we already? talk about the Bobby Bonilla contract. Oh, oh, we've, I'm, I'm very aware of it. I mean, every, every year on July 1st, he gets a check, check for another, I think uh, like $1.1 million or something like that. <laughs> the, a few years ago, CBS sports did a series where they had bobbleheads. We'd like to see teams give away. And one of them was Bobby Bonilla. And it just says July 1st, 2035. And he's wearing, he's wearing, he's old, he's hunched over. He's got a, he's got one of those four prong canes and he's holding up his check that he just got from the New York Mets that year and said, this would be a great troll bobblehead from anyone else in the national league East. That's great. (laughs) Has anyone ever done like a deep dive as to whether that was a good or bad idea for him to accept that contract? Oh, I'm sure. Just the upfront. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Oh, boy, that's a good question. You know, I'm it's sure. kind of like the when you win the lottery, you can take the smaller lump sum or the payments. Like I've always believed you take the lump sum and make some investments and then your money makes money. Right, right. Or yeah, unless you don't trust yourself, then then you just take it every year. Right, exactly. And a lot of athletes, I'm sure, look back and say, man, I wish I would have done deferred <laughs> payments so I didn't blow yeah. all my money. <laughs> Well, and one of the new things is uh, Russell Okung is getting paid in Bitcoin this coming year. Yep. So maybe that's mm-hmm. something we see. That I mean, it very well could be. Bitcoin is slowly but surely coming a lot more mainstream. You know, every it feels like it, 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 its popularity and um, Q score, I guess you could say, uh, kind of trends like the stock. It goes up. And people learn about it and then it goes down and people forget about it. And right now I feel like it's probably at its peak in terms of interest around the country that, you know, even Mark Cuban had a Twitter thread about it the other day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's huge right now. Now the, the thing with the Bonilla contract as well, of course it comes back. It actually comes back to Bernie Madoff. Of course, the, the Mets ownership uh, invested in Bernie Madoff and because, and because of that, 
they they thought, okay, nope, an eight percent interest rate for the Bobby Bonilla contract when we start paying his deferred payments, no problem. <laughs> because we're gonna because our financial gravy train is going to keep going. And uh and not so much. The, the contract, by the way, it was originally worth $29.8 million. Wow. The entire, the, the entire five-year deal. So, wow, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, before we move on, a shout-out to Green Mountain Dental Group. We're talking about making that green. Uh, and when you make that green, it makes you smile. And then you head down to Green Mountain Dental Group to make sure that smile is pearly and white. They're located just 15 minutes outside of downtown in Lakewood. And they will treat you like family because they are family. They're part of the DNVR family. They've supported us for a long time. They're Denver sports fans just like you. Uh, And they had our backs throughout the entirety of the pandemic. So you know they're a true member of the family. Uh, So head down to Green Mountain Dental Group if you need any dental work done. They will treat you like family. They'll get it done. Uh, and they will also hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray exam. It's Green Mountain Dental Group. Guys, make sure to check out our Colorado rugby coverage over at ddnvr.com and anywhere you find podcasts at DNVR Rugby and, of course, on Twitter at DNVR Rugby because, of course, Colorado rugby isn't just limited to Colorado. It is American rugby with Infinity Park right here in Glendale, Colorado, known as Rugby Town USA because that is where the new men's and women's Eagles 15 USA teams is located now so it is american rugby right in our backyard and our guy colton strickler has you covered with all you need to know uh the up and coming events that are coming up the games he does a great job breaking down the game as well if you want to learn the game so make sure to check us out at dnvr rugby on twitter everywhere you find podcasts and then of course at the dnvr.com all right next one here from lou drock Ooh, guys one more question Sorry, how much do you think that the Eagles tank will hurt us? I can't help but feel that a very good quarterback might drop to the Panthers at eight. Would be painful to watch knowing what we could have had uh, that pick number eight if it wasn't for the Eagles' madness. Cheers, Charlie. Well, wouldn't the Panthers have just been at seven in that case? Would the, the Eagles could have dropped behind the Broncos if they won, right? Yes, right. because they would have been affected five, five. the Panthers. No, the Panthers would still be picking before the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, really – the, the the result that you look back on where for draft position maybe you say Ugh, is holding is the Broncos holding on to beat Carolina there in December because if Carolina drives down and wins that game you leapfrog both the Panthers and the Eagles. Right. So yeah, in terms of and the other five and and the other five and eleven teams. So right, right, yeah. So the Panthers it, it doesn't impact. Yeah. Next one from Von Miller's Chicken Farm. Howdy, gents. Talking about Kendall Hinton yesterday, I was obviously hoping to see him get a jersey for the final games as wide receiver, but that didn't happen. Maybe it would have, uh, would have, maybe it would have in the time of fans in the stands for a raucous greeting. Also, it would have been fun for the coaches to have told McManus to try a field goal on every drive that Saints game, give him all the chances he could want as an FU to the league office question i have for you is how do nfl trades work are they simply a phone call text email inquiring or is there a system or format teams use on draft day how patient are teams to wait while you field another offer or is it more of a take it or leave it right now sorry for the long one thanks for the pot as always 
Well, on draft day, I can tell you, um, you know, depending on how much time is on the clock, uh, they'll they'll field a, a phone call and unless it's a blow you away offer, they'll say, all right, we'll call you right back. And then, they'll, you know, if they're on another call, then they'll see what they're offering. Then they'll call them back. It, it's pretty intense how quickly it happens. And it's one of the reasons why you didn't see very many trades this year uh, because teams were uncomfortable with just the setup of Zoom and all that and uh, trying to communicate with the, the rest of their front office from their own home. Um, it, it all happens so fast and there's so much, so many moving parts that I think the uncomfortability of being at home uh, really cut back on trades. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. It, it typically is phone calls and, and sometimes a trade can happen quick. Like Ryan said, especially on draft day, sometimes these hap- these things happen over days and weeks in the off season. Yeah. All right. Next one from Craig L. Who's more important to the Broncos in 2021 Von Miller or Justin Simmons? Mm, the important thing about this guys is 2021. I mean, if he's still here, it's Justin, in my opinion, but. There's too many, gosh, there's just too much uncertainty around Vaughn right now for me coming back from an injury. I'm not too worried about that, but being older, having not having played elite football in a couple of years. So to me, it it is Justin because I've seen him play uh, closer to an elite level uh, a lot more recently than I have Vaughn. Look, Vaughn Miller, the importance of him might be the, $18 $18 million you save if he ends up not taking a restructure. Right. That's right. true. It's a good and point. Then you use that to pay He's... Dak Prescott after Deshaun Watson goes to the, uh, the Cowboys. Or you use that to pay <laughs> Justin Simmons. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and final one coming in from the other Ryan, my boys, what is each of your favorite moments slash play from the 2020 Denver Broncos season? Have a wildly wonderful Wednesday DNV army salute. I mean, well, we actually had this conversation uh, just a couple of days ago because we were talking about nominees for the annual goaties, um, our DNVR award show. But uh, I, I, I have a hard time getting anywhere past KJ Hamler game winning walk off touchdown with no time on the clock. Like those are few and far between. I can't even remember the last time the Broncos won a game on the final play of the game like that. So um, it's gotta be that. Anytime you have a walk-off, it, it has to be that, especially with everything going around in that game with Drew Locke having a great fourth quarter, Drew Locke against Justin Herbert. After the game, Drew Locke saying, maybe this was our time that we were really going to turn things around as an offense. Uh, and just the excitement that all the young guys had, you know, Jerry Judy tackling KJ right after it happened. It, it was just such a fun moment for the Broncos and really a moment of hope as well. Totally. Still, yeah. I still like the moment where all the guys were like Bradley Chubb and others were, were fist bumping and hugging Kendall Hinton after the saints game, just I, yeah, that was. recognizing that recognizing all that he had to go through to, and everything about playing that game. And uh, just kind of saying, Hey, you know what? We appreciate what you did. We understand, we get it. It was a, it was one of those beautiful moments of kind of team unity and uh, you know, ball recognizing ball. How about Drew Locke's touchdown celebration when when he injected uh, Troy Fumagalli? <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, he gave him the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> I remember it uh, very clearly. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there were some fun moments, that's for sure. We always find a way to pick out the fun moments, even though the season wasn't very fun itself. <laughs> yeah, after those moments, guys, you think the Broncos would be playing this coming weekend? Absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, I believe that's all we have on the comment side of things, uh, which means I get another chance to tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, again, just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver, right there in Lakewood. Uh, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and get a free Sonicare toothbrush. We'd love for you to let us know when you go down there. So if you do become part of the Green Mountain Dental family, which is just an extension of the DNVR family, uh, let us know and, uh, and uh, get your free Sonicare toothbrush. So that's going to do it for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. A little short on the comments today. Interesting. I have a feeling that might change if the Broncos get their GM search done tonight. Uh, but as always, we'll talk to you tomorrow.